Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. We're back and better than ever. A new web interface for the rest of the NBA season and more. Props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BLEAV50 to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to my podcast. I'm your host, Polina Edmonds. And today on the show, I'm bringing back a guest from last year. Uh, He's well known in the skating world, though. He was the 2015 junior champion um, and is just a very talented kid in the world of skating. Everyone welcome Andrew Torishev. Hey, guys. Hope everyone's having a good one. Be enthusiastic, dude. Come on. (laughs) Come on. Oh, man. Gotta get my Uh, podcast legs going. There you go. Well, for everyone listening again, uh, let's talk a little bit about just your background in skating for a second for all of our listeners to remind them everything. So when did you start skating and just talk about your rise into the national scene? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I started skating very young. I was pretty much uh, born onto the ice. Both of my parents were skaters and uh, are coaches and continue to coach. And so it was just a big uh, family thing that caused me to get onto the ice. I played other sports growing up and skating was just the place that I wanted to be. Growing up, you know, it was just like anyone else, working on my skills, trying to improve, trying to get those little goals checked off one by one. And, you know, little by little, I started to improve, you know, got my doubles, got my triples went through regionals and nationals at the younger levels and then progressed to junior grand prix and things like that in 2015 was a great year i was still super young um but i was able to uh achieve a great goal which was uh winning the junior championship at nationals and in that summer after i won the championship i suffered like a pretty intense injury uh working on quads i had like um a fracture with displacement in my ankle, which required a surgery to put screws in and six months later, another surgery to take those out. Uh, So that took a year to improve and get back to the ice. And then, you know, through the Junior Grand Prix circuit where I've been um, about the past uh, four, four seasons and just trying to progress there, trying to climb the ranks, uh, get my world ranking and, you know, uh, looking forward to, the chance to get into the senior circuit really make an impact. Hey, you got plenty of time. Uh, so for everyone listening, last year, Andrew was going through a stress fracture. And this year, he currently has another injury that he's now recovering from. So we won't be seeing him at nationals this year, um, as he's still in the recovery processes. And he's only been uh, skating for the last few weeks now. But Andrew, do you want to speak about 
um, the new injury that you've been dealing with most recently? It is quite unfortunate to have um, pretty persistent injury for more than one season. You know, this is the second season in a row that I'm having to take off to heal my body and make sure that everything is working well and being pain-free. And I think it just uh, comes down to training and just wanting to train and train and get better and improve on your skills and be able to achieve your goals. You know, there are minor problems like some poor mechanics and maybe some skate problems that can kind of led me into this injury. But, you know, it's the it's the same thing as it was last year, unfortunately, which is just wanting to train too much too quick and uh, your body not holding up. I know exactly how that feels. Uh, for me, when I had my injury, which was a bone bruise, so almost a fracture in my right foot, I took a few months off, should have taken longer, came back and tried to get all of my triples back into super competitive competing internationally just within six months. And so for me, I put a lot of pressure on myself to try to make the 2018 Olympic team. Um, and I didn't give myself enough time to properly heal for my own body. And so I ended up re-injuring the exact same bone, same foot right before the 2018 nationals. And I had to pull out of the free skate and just take almost a year off at that point. Um, so I definitely know how you feel when it comes to re-injuring, um, pretty much the same problem. What was the recovery time looking like for you from your stress fracture last year? Um, and how do you think you ended up re-injuring it specifically? Yeah, so last year I had the stress fracture and it was pretty, um, you know, it was happening over time, but there was just one day where I felt um, a really rough landing off Quad South that I was training to get ready for the season in the program. You know, it just, it didn't feel right when I came down and right away drove an hour and a half to Boulder to the doctor. That was uh, when I was still in Colorado. And right away we took x-rays and saw that there was damage to the bone. And I was in a boot for about, you know, between six and eight weeks. Um, and after that, I was able to start returning to the ice and just skating. But unfortunately, like even last year, I wasn't able to come back quickly enough to really be prepared and be competitive at nationals. So I was injured in around August, September area, and it took me almost until November, December to get back on the ice and really feel normal. And that's not even counting jumping. So, you know, I think um, if we're talking on a weekly basis, like it might look like I might've made nationals, but just by the way my body was recovering and progressing it just um it was shown to me that it wouldn't be realistic to go and perform my best at nationals with the amount of training that i would have been able to put in and then you know i was forced to make the responsible decision to withdraw uh just to continue the healing process and let my body heal let me myself come back to where i was as a skater well, that's already a very good decision on your part and a mature decision uh, to not rush the time frame for your body. So listening to your body is so important and it sounds like you're doing that, which is great. Um, and as I said, there will be time, so there shouldn't be um, too much pressure on yourself to rush. But 
uh, I gotta say it's it's gotta be so hard to sit out you know for another season um where was your mind at with the injuries kind of coming back and needing to take even slower than you would have wanted yeah this year's definitely a great example of that um uh, it was fortunately only a stress reaction and I had felt similar pain to last year so I knew I knew something was up mm-hmm. and I had caught it early you know it wasn't a fracture yet it was still That's just good. inflammation in the bone and since I was so ambitious about really trying to put my best foot forward at nationals this year, um, me and my team and the doctors, we were trying to get myself back to the ice as quickly as possible, just heal this and then get back to training. And unfortunately that's what caused me to sit out even longer. You know, at first we were looking at the MRIs and the x-rays and it looked like just inflammation you know, no one was really thinking about putting me into a boot because the injury wasn't severe enough. Um, but after six weeks with very little progression, I had to get into the boot. And then that was super tough because the six weeks before that, I was getting ready to get back on the ice at any moment once I was pain-free. So I was working every day in the gym, I was doing my PT, really just trying to make the most of my time off. And unfortunately, I don't think I really gave myself enough rest in addition to just uh, not being in the boot right away and not solidifying uh, the problem area and, you know, stopping the stress. I continued to walk and compensate even just while walking to be pain-free. And really, these little things is what caused me to be off the ice for so long. And it's what caused... uh, you know, the recovery process to take so long to reach a point where I'm pain free. And luckily, now is better. Uh, I'm back on the ice. I feel like, you know, my life is back. But it was definitely super tough. Um, After those six weeks, like already being off and then being back in the boot for who knows how long. And it was super tough to keep myself mentally aware of what was going on and really like sticking to my purpose and my goals. Now that I'm back on the ice, it's much easier, of course, but it's for sure a big challenge to really stay in the game mentally when you're off the ice. Mm-hmm. Let's put a time frame to everyone listening, um, just so people know exactly what your year looked like. So when, like what months were you in a boot? Were you taking time off? Did you have to wait to get on the ice? When were you able to start skating? Um, and during those time periods, what exactly were you able to do in terms of exercise? Because I know during injury recovery times, the workouts that you're normally able to do when you're healthy are not the same. And you're actually very limited because you don't want to put any extra stress or compensate like you were saying um, on your foot. So what did that look like for you? Yeah, absolutely. So I went through, I was doing well all throughout um, the summer, training well, and I competed my first competition in almost two years um, at Glacier Falls. That was in about August. Mm-hmm. And then shortly after that, I went into new skates. And, you know, about two weeks after that, I started to feel like something wasn't working right in my foot. And, you know, I went to the doctor right away, got it imaged, and it didn't look like much because I had caught it early. It just didn't look like much. And Mm -hmm. there was not much inflammation there, but it could have quickly progressed. 
to fracture, even God forbid, breaking. So that's obviously not a risk that I was willing to take. And I had to take time off from about the end of August. And at first it was going to be two weeks, turned into three, turned into four. At the fifth week, I tried to get back on the ice somewhere at the end of September. Wasn't good. Took almost all of October off. And then just uh, the second week of November, I believe I started to consider skating. Like we started to make modifications to the boots, skating five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, you know, little by little, just trying to get back into it. And fortunately now at the beginning of December, I've progressed to two sessions daily of just skating skills. And even when I was off the ice, in the gym when I was working, it was non-impact only, you know, little to no weight bearing. So lots of just uh, mini bands laying on the mat, working, uh, trying to just keep stress and pressure off of the problem area. But of course, I could, I still have to work that area. I still have to work my right leg because it's pretty important for our sport. You know, it was quite challenging to figure out what I can do um, while being non, non-weight-bearing and still uh, trying to improve on strength in my right hip and right leg overall. So it was definitely a challenge, but that, w- that was pretty much all I could do for a while. Dang. I mean, that, that word Dang. really just sums <laughs> it up. Um, you yeah. Know, keeping it PG, actually. But so you haven't been jumping then Mm-mm. as of the past few yeah. months because of the injury. Nope. Yep. No, it's how tough. that goes. Yeah. It's tough. But at least it gives you a lot of downtime to really work on edges and skating skills and just skating. I really felt like I improved a lot in terms of my presence on the ice when I also did months of just no jumps and I added on so slowly, like a month of doing singles and then a month of doing like double axles and then a month of doing a few triples. You know, it took, it was such a long process, but taking your time really pays off because as we both know, if you try to come back too quick, injuries reappear. Uh, yeah. The proper progressions definitely take way longer than we want them to. And then yeah. we actually like see them to take. And yeah, it, do- it really does give us some time to work on things that might not have the highest priority when we're really like gearing up to perform our best in the season. Um, mm-hmm. This is definitely the perfect time for me to work on, work on my camels, right? Work on easy stuff like my three mm-hmm. turns and my twizzles so that once I start to progress, these things I've already worked on and I've already improved. So once I start to get back to jumping, I already have this base of things that I've been needing to improve and that I have now. So it's definitely, you can definitely find um, positives in being Mm -hmm. injured and being limited with what you can do. And all in all, it does help further down the road. Absolutely. So what are some of your tips for people listening? If they've gone through an injury um, and maybe they're in the recovery process or if they haven't been injured, but everybody needs injury prevention, Um, Mm -hmm. with your own experiences now, what are some little things that you find absolutely necessary, got to take super seriously uh, to avoid injury? Yeah, I think it's a super important question of how 
how just we can be better athletes and how we can better protect our bodies. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, one big thing to consider is that if if we weren't athletes, we wouldn't be so determined and ambitious. You know, we'd be mm-hmm. doing something else with our life. If we picked a sport and we were so determined to be good and to keep improving and we set forth ambitious goals that we have to, that we feel like we have to achieve or else it's the end of the world. We have to achieve them. I think that's where the problem areas can occur because uh, I think too much determination without a well thought out plan is detrimental. So, you know, you need a well thought out plan and that's not made by the athlete could have the athlete's input and should have the athlete's input, but it should be made with a coach, should be made with a doctor, should be made with your PT, should be made with your team Mm -hmm. and with people that are more knowledgeable than you about, you know, about the human body and about injury recovery. And I think it's super important to take them seriously because if someone's telling you, you have to take six weeks off, you have to take six weeks off. You know, there's nothing, there's nothing about it then we also look that every athlete is different. You know, every athlete has a different body. Every athlete progresses at a different rate and they heal at a different rate. So these are all things that need to be considered with your team of how you're going to create a proper plan where you're going to come back. And unfortunately, uh, it might not take six weeks. It might take 12. It might take 18, you know you go by your plan and you progress as you can. You know, I think a lot of times we want to progress with our will instead of progressing with our abilities. And I think that's where the injuries start to occur. I don't think injury, injury I think is trauma, of course. I don't think that it's just the, the one day that something didn't go right and you got injured. I think the injury starts months beforehand when you're overtraining more than you should and you're not taking proper recovery. And, you know, rest is so important to allow your body to refuel, reset, heal, and strengthen. And I think uh, really focusing in on the little details is something that we can all do to improve you know, just in prevention, not even recovery, because we ideally wouldn't even want to be in recovery ever, right? No. (laughs) Yeah. All right, guys, say goodbye to dull gifts. Lightbox lab-grown diamonds are the brightest gift of the year. Using cutting-edge technology and innovative techniques, they've cracked the science of sparkle, creating the highest quality lab-grown diamonds you can find. At a light price, $800 per carat. They have the same chemical makeup of natural diamonds, but are just grown in a lab. Because of their process, they can create stones in blush pink and beautiful blue, as well as classic white. Lightbox lab-grown diamonds are the gift they'll never want to take off, priced so they won't have to. They really do make any outfit sparkle. Visit lightboxjewelry.com to add sparkle to your holiday shopping. That's lightboxjewelry.com. Lightbox diamonds. Never a dull moment. Yeah. Well, it's all, that's all a lot of the correct mindset to have as well, which is something we'll segue into in just a second. But um, for everyone listening to, you know, some of the things that I've learned from injury preventionists in terms of concrete things to add on to everything that Andrew said was 
even something as simple as having solid warm-ups and making sure that you stretch, you know, before any type of physical activity. Uh, and that also comes with age. It's so much easier to pull things as you get older, which uh, kind of stinks, but it's true. Um, so that's really important. And also like not overdoing it, not putting too much on your plate before you're ready. As Andrew was saying, determination is such a, and will is such a key mindset that so many athletes have, but taking the time to listen to your body and understand that moving slowly is really important in crucial times like recovery. Um, that's, that's going to be the key on how fast uh, your real recovery will take because I've had it happen to me before. Andrew's had it happen to him before. If you get re-injured after you've already recovered, that's twice the time than if you had just given yourself the proper timing to fully recover in the first place, right? Um, and then last thing I would say for everybody, total focus and concentration while working out is also so important, um, especially as you get older again, because even the smallest things like landing in the wrong way, um, not being focused and doing some kind of crazy pop or something and landing wrong, those are all little things that can absolutely affect how your body reacts while you're working out. Um, and it's, it's just really important to have that full concentration in order to not get hurt. But let's, let's go right into this mindset of uh, injuries, because I would actually like to know for you, Andrew, especially in the last year, um, what, would it, what would you say was your lowest point while dealing with uh, this injury in terms of your mindset of everything? And what would you say was uh, the, most, the biggest learning moment for you? Yeah, um... <clears throat> Definitely, definitely the lowest moment was fairly recently. It was um, kind of when I thought I was going to be getting back on the ice soon. And then I got a boot kind of slapped to my foot. And that that just felt like I got shot. You know, I, I it just was super tough. Um, it was super tough to find myself, find my purpose and really like find the will to keep going. Mm -hmm. uh and yeah some days just weren't great and other days I was just grateful for you know what I had for my family and just for skating and you know it got to the point where I even would go to the rink and just watch the session just watch my training mates like improve and train and get ready for their competitions it really helped bring me back out of my like little depressive funk that I felt like I was in really like showed me why this is the sport that I picked and I think biggest learning moment is also this year just um having the second injury you know um I thought that I had done everything correctly and had healed it the first time but there were still um small gaps like just even in things as simple as my mechanics like just the way I was moving on the ice, you know, if, if my hip was weak and I kept overloading my first metatarsal, then over time it became an injury and I never fixed the strengthening of my hip. So I never fixed the main cause of the injury. So mm -hmm. I think the biggest thing I've learned out of these experiences is how important it is to take a step back and evaluate everything that you're doing. You know, how can you improve on the slightest things as your warm up and your recovery? You know, can you be stretching more after 
your training sessions or are you just like packing your skates and getting home you know because mm-hmm. i i also don't want to sit at the rink and stretch and <laughs> after i've already been on the ice for three hours but mm-hmm. th- i think that's what separates um the great from the good Absolutely. And that's the dedication that is necessary to being successful in the end is taking that extra 15 minutes or whatever uh, to finish and not just dip out uh, because everyone, we all go through it. We all get a little lazy. Uh, That's just how it goes. But uh, the dedication, it's necessary. Mindset is key, as we all know, uh, to everything. The mind can either save you or it can destroy you, right? So talk about your mindset when you're physically healthy and you're trying to be at your best versus when you're injured and your mindset of just trying to get through the injury. Talk about the differences that you felt in your own career with that. Yeah. When I, when I'm healthy, I'm happy, right? I'm coming into the rink and I have my routine. Um, everything is routine. I warm up, I go train. I have my plan for my sessions, um, recover, eat, go train again. I'm always looking on how I can improve on a weekly basis. You know, mm-hmm. that's also something I've learned, not looking at the days, but looking at the weeks, you mm-hmm. know, set out, setting out weekly goals for myself, you know, just trying to improve on what I can do already and maybe learn a new skill or a new jump, right? Like we're working a lot on quads right now or whole, working on the thought of quads, right? Working on mm-hmm. the mechanics to once I get to that point to be successful. So quads require a lot. It's not just, let me just train as much as I can. Let me train each jump as much as I can. And then I'm going to achieve this goal. No, it's the little things, little by little by little. So I think, I think that's something I definitely could have done a better job of when I was uh, healthy in training is um, just like keeping a more simple mindset and uh, going goal by goal and trying not to get ahead of yourself. Uh, but yeah, once I'm, once I'm healthy, it's, you know, I'm always looking forward. I'm always looking, how can I get better? How can I improve? I'm looking mm-hmm. towards my competitions. I have six weeks towards my competition. Here's my training camp. I have to be able to perform uh, two programs at this competition. And, you know, I have my goals for how I want to achieve those, right? Like maybe in the beginning of the season, I'm not trying to be perfect, but over the course of the season, how can I be perfect, right? I think those are the constant questions I'm asking myself uh, when I'm healthy. Now, mm-hmm. when you're injured, I think it's super hard to stay in the moment and just work on yourself. I think uh, you're always looking towards when am I going to be back? You know, when I'm back, I want to do this. Um, you're always looking towards the future. You're not thinking about, okay, you know, I woke up this morning, let me like, clean up my room and then I'll go and do my hip exercise. I'll go stretch out. You know, I think it's super easy to just like sit back and wait for you to get healthy and just do something for yourself that makes it feel like the time is going by easier, quicker, whatever. So that like, you know, ideally you want to be injured and then you blink and you're back on the ice, but it's just not realistic. So I think, um, yeah, biggest thing when I'm injured is I'm looking too much into the future, looking too much uh, hope instead of uh, just looking at my daily life and trying to improve there. 
So what are some little things that helped you cope with the, what feels like forever when you're in, recovering from an injury? Uh, were there other like hobbies that you got into or other um, interests in your own life that you were able to turn some of your attention to because all of a sudden you just have extra time that would have been spent training initially, but now you could use it for something else? Yeah, I got into reading a lot. Um, I haven't really cool. read much since elementary school. You know, <laughs> I don't think hey, I ever read Hey, reading is great. <laughs> no, reading, well, I'm glad you're into it now. I love reading. Reading is great. I, what kind of now, books do you read? Now I love it. So look, looking at the genre that's for me, right? Like trying to find it. Right now, mm-hmm. uh, I'm like into some like fiction mystery stuff. Yeah, like let's get some it. Some fiction sci-fi for sure. And then nice. I, I like some... Um, autobiographies and just like Hmm. nonfiction stories like I have this uh one book that I haven't started yet but I'm I'm gonna finish this one Stephen King book and then I'm starting it um but it's called The Lost Boys of Montauk and it's about these uh three or four guys that got stuck at sea for 30 days I believe Mm -hmm. it's like their story of how they survived and just things like this that are so unrelated to skating in my daily life kind of really helped me get interested and keep my mind, you know, still occupied. Jumping into stories always does that for everyone because it, it just transfers you from your present situation and just immerses you into a fully imaginative, creative worlds that you're, you know, reading through, but it, it's just, it's the best. I love reading. Um, also a big fiction person. Sorry. I love stories my you said that yours is mystery uh mine is definitely like old like castle stories those type Mm -hmm. of like you know kings and queens and assassins whatever um but i also like like random health like nonfiction books that teach you a bunch of like random stats on agriculture and like the food that we're eating these days and things like that i think that's really fascinating too but anyways that's sick that you're reading if you could give one book rec to everyone listening what would it be of a book that you've read recently yeah yeah, yeah. the tattooist of auschwitz Ooh. It, it, it was great it was great i went in i was still reading it um when i was training so i would uh go in skate and then like right on my breaks I would open up the book and like be reading it while I'm walking out like sit in my car and read for an hour and then like just come right back to the ice so it was it was super nice even when I was healthy to read because it just kept my mind occupied and yeah it was so important when I wasn't skating to keep my mind occupied and that was a really big help really uh gets your imagination working and lets your let your brain do something, you know, compared to my daily life of skating when I wasn't skating, it got kind of tough to find like what I can occupy myself with. I have a question for you. Are you an active person aside from the ice? And when I say that, I mean, do you like doing different physical activity? That could be something like hiking or like, I don't know, going to the gym and working out or are you somebody that's like no I skate and the rest of my life I just want to chill oh man you know I think um I think when we're training in season it can change Mm -hmm. a little bit I think like if I'm super training like on the ice then once I get home I don't want to like do anything but Mm -hmm. generally I I'd say I'm a very active person like I love surfing I like hiking I like biking 
Um, I like <laughs> soccer, tennis, basketball, ping pong, like you name it, I'll play it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I just, I love to get outside and do something, you know, yeah. and that's nothing new. Like it's ever since I was young as well. Like I always love to be in motion. Yeah, which is awesome. I The reason I asked that is because A, I know some athletes that are one or the other, but B, I feel like I learned a lot about myself during my injury. Uh, when I was forced to take about 10 months off completely with no running, no no jumping, no skating, like nothing that I was ever used to, I started hiking a lot because it was just walking and it didn't hurt my foot. Uh, but that like totally introduced me to the world of nature and going to explore like all this like beautiful mountainry and just I I never really had the exposure to that when I was skating because as you know we're we're in the skating rink which I used to call the dungeon because it's just concrete there's like barely any light um I mean and I say that with also love because you know the dungeon um it's where things get done but yeah I I definitely feel like for me I learned a lot about uh, my own interests outside of skating when it came to physical activity. Um, But that also was in the process of 10 months of like, what do I do to like kind of stay active, stay in shape and not run and hurt my foot again. Um, So yeah. But have you had any forces you to be creative? Yeah. So like, I guess like, have you had any other type of like creative aha moments about yourself in uh, the time that you've, spent with yourself away from the ice absolutely i think it's super important to get you know just to get to know yourself um Mm -hmm. in a new environment and you know my favorite thing since i've moved to california is surfing right so if if i'm out there yeah and it's super nice and it's very similar to figure skating mentally in a way because it's just you out there it's you and the wave and you know it's just your focus and it's the way you're managing your anxiety and your focus that is you know it's going to tell you if you're going to be successful or not on this wave and it's something so completely different to figure skating like Mm -hmm. i don't how can you think of figure skating when there's this wave about to come eat you up like you you have to yeah, you know, <laughs> you you have to paddle, you have to survive. There's no there's no time to worry, mm-hmm. and that's something that really like pulled me in because like very similar to figure skating, like it's uh, just you yourself on the ice, right? Like it's just me and myself and what I'm trying to accomplish, and the same thing in the water. It's just me and myself and what I'm trying to accomplish. So it. W- I love any activity where I can just get with nature and mm-hmm. put with things into perspective, really just uh, show myself like my significance in comparison to the world, you know, and I think that really helps you reevaluate whatever you've been thinking about and whatever you needed to, you know, get out of your system. Who is Andrew Torgashev? I think from this conversation, we can really think about uh, him as a, a reader of mystery of documentaries and a surfer as well as a skater you know who would have thought not me not me I'm so <laughs> glad you shared that about yourself 
Oh, love it. Man, I'm I'm glad to. No. <laughs> no, I'm not just a skater. <laughs> no, you're so much more. Uh no, but the, actually that's awesome. That's really cool that you're surfing. I've tried surfing. Um not my favorite personally, but that would be because the paddling aspect is what deters me. The actual surfing part, super fun, but that's about 10 seconds versus mm-hmm. so many minutes of paddling. Um but anyways, not important. Also, that's so, that's such a great metaphor, I think, to, to life in general, right? Like 99% of the time in the water, like I'm paddling or I'm sitting Mm -hmm. and then only for 10 seconds, I might ride a wave. If I'm lucky, it's 10 Mm -hmm. seconds. You know, usually it's like two or three or at max five. But, you know, I think that's such a great metaphor because I think you can substitute paddling and waiting for discipline right? You can say like you have 99% of the things to do in your, in your sport, in your career, in your life. And it's all because of discipline, because you have to, right? You have to do this in order to achieve what you want to achieve. Mm-hmm. And same, same thing here, you know, 99% of the time, you're not the happiest camper and you're paddling around and dodging waves. And then it's all worth it when you get that 1%, when you get that one successful moment in your career, when you achieve that one goal that you've really been striving for, you know, like it's, it's worth the 99% that it took you of just doing what you didn't want to do and doing it anyway, all for this one moment of, you know, glory. You know, you enjoy this one moment and it's all worth the 99 moments that you just put in to the grind. I really like what you took with that metaphor. Uh, that was a great explanation. And also, I would say the one thing that I was thinking as you were talking about that is what, what keeps you in it if it's 99% um, you know, hard work and grinding and discipline? Uh, it's, it's love for what you're doing and it's passion. So if you're truly interested in the sport that you're doing or just the activity that you're putting so much time and energy into, the only reason you're going to do that 99% work is because you love it. Um, And that's like the coolest thing to realize about, for us, it's something like skating with the amount of work that we put in and it's like, oh, well, why do you continue? That's the reason. You wouldn't put so much time and energy if you didn't really like it. Um, And that's, it's just, it's really cool to be able to understand that, especially as you get older, because I feel like when we're young and we're put into sports or any type of activity that you've been doing for so long, it it doesn't necessarily feel like yours until you're mature enough to like mentally understand all of those things and know that you are in control and you're doing it because you want to, not because you were put in it and you couldn't leave. It's a super important thing. I think definitely as we're getting older, you know, Mm -hmm. as we're younger, we're still, you know, with our parents, listening to our coaches, our, the younger athletes input is not, you know, too heavy Mm -hmm. in the whole training plan. Um, Just because due to experience as well, like, you know, you're going to listen to your parents and your coaches when you're younger. But once you kind of start hitting these like teenage angsty years and then more so once you become an adult and start to look towards building a life think you want to have passion in what you're doing and you don't want that to be decided for you you want to be the one taking control 
and you know like like uh being the bus driver right you're all trying to get to the same destination so mm-hmm. why can't the athlete be the bus driver and be carrying the team with him you know they can tell him hey watch out for that pothole this and that help the driver be successful in getting to where he wants to go but mm-hmm. no one's taking the wheel and kicking the driver out right no. you know and i think that's something that it becomes so important when we mature. We want to take yeah. ownership in what we're doing and we want to just feel like we're not wasting our time. We really want to be confident in our decision that this is what I was meant to do and this is what I want to do. Well, let's let's move on to the final part of our conversation right now. Um, just talk about load management for a second. So for you... What do you think your proper load is and how have you managed it in the past and how are you managing it now? Load is a tricky thing, I think, in figure skating Mm -hmm. because um, we jump so much and, you know, there's many different jumps that we have to train and they all land on the same foot, you know, and some of them even uh, take off from that same foot. So really, you're giving a lot of stress to your landing leg, you know, regardless of regardless of what you're doing. You know, you're giving a lot of stress to your landing leg. So we can do things like counter jumps and count uh, which how many of which jump we're doing. And that can definitely be a good tactic to kind of like stop you from overloading and from doing too much. You know, just because I think a lot of times when we're training and jumping, we can do it on a motion. So I think also taking that one second after each jump and just like making a dash and counting it down kind of um, lets us take a breath and, you know, make a more quality attempt than if we were just going circle around circle and just like hoping to land one. Uh, So I think keeping track of your jump count is a really great thing to do. Then I think also um, creating a multi-step plan, you know, maybe Mm -hmm. not just thinking about the next four weeks, but the four weeks after that and the four weeks after that, you know, Mm -hmm. like I can, I can write down a plan right now about how I'm going to progress in the next four weeks to go land all the jumps ever created. (laughs) Is it realistic? Like, no. Mm -hmm. Right. So you need to evaluate it's, and I don't think this is something that any athlete should do on their own. I think this yes. needs the input of uh, someone you trust, whether that be a doctor, your coach, somebody that has a bigger understanding of load management than you do, and someone that yeah. probably has made a career out of it. But we want to look uh, loaded, like progressing over the next year or the next mm-hmm. four years and not just the next four weeks. And I think um, giving yourself a longer time frame is also something that will definitely help with this uh, too much too soon type mentality. I just can't stress enough, like the importance of having a plan for your off ice and your on ice that kind of works together, right? You don't like, I think a lot of times we're just trying to train as much as we can, um, period. You know, mm-hmm. I think if we're using like, like I like to use a car as an example, you know, you can take, let's say like the max the car can go is a hundred miles an hour. So Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times we're looking to 
press 100 for as long as we can, instead of finding a way where we can balance between 70 and 80 miles per hour and then speed up to 100 and then come back to 70 and 80, right? So Mm -hmm. I think really managing this idea of, you know, maximal effort all the time as opposed to here, let's make a day that 70% of our load, make a day that's 75, make a day that's 80. So Mm -hmm. in order to do that, you have to establish a maximum load. But once you do with the help of your team, I think it's so great to create a plan like by that data. Yeah, that, I mean, that was a great analogy to use. Um, Honestly, Making sure that you don't overdo it is the biggest thing because, and and being realistic, like you were saying, that plan is really important to not uh, overestimate the results you're going to get or hope for uh, certain results when it's not on paper that that's just not going to happen. An example for everyone listening, for me, when I had my foot injury and I took that super long break and then I came back, it took me almost a year to finally get all of my triples back in terms of doing the triple-triple combos. That's a really long time. I would have liked to be able to snap my fingers in, what, like two months, I'm, I'm good to go, and I could start competing for the season already. That wasn't realistic. And how was I able to get those jumps within a year um, without overdoing and getting re-injured? I only was allowed to do like three triple flips and three triple lutzes each day per session. That was it. I try my three, that's it. That's all I get. That's really hard to try to bring back a jump when you're only giving yourself three reps. But that was, that was the plan with my injury of how not to get re-injured. So being realistic and saying, okay, I'm not going to be able to compete really this season, but I can do my best and see where I'm at by you know next November. That's realistic and that's the healthiest way. And giving yourself that long time to know, okay, maybe this season I'm going to have to sit out, but next season or the season after next, I'm going to, I'm going to reach like the peak that I'm looking for. Long game. Long game is so, so important. And Polina, I have a question for you actually. Mm-hmm. Okay. So <laughs> with figure skating being ever evolving and really evolving so quickly with, uh, within the past uh, 10 years, how can we do a better job to build healthy longevity with more demanding skills that definitely take more strength and take more stress to your body. So how can, how can the new generation of athletes train to accomplish these difficult elements to be competitive while doing it in a healthy way to where they can do it for a long period of time over the course of two to four years? That is a loaded question, Andrew. Um, I, <laughs> I know, I know. I and mean, it's, it's not like, it's not like, uh, here's the, template. I have the answer. It's, no, uh, of course not. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. I, it's just maybe something to think about, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I would definitely say in my opinion, I know that the technical aspect of skating has really been pushed for both men and women, Uh, most recently women, but for the men too, just with how many quads are in a program now, it's 
insane. Um, and we are seeing so many injuries from really young athletes now. And that is really disappointing for me to see because, you know, if we think back to how skating was like even 15 years ago, how many of these athletes would be absolute stars with, you know, the content that you already were accomplishing uh, before you got injured. It just, it, it feels wrong to me. Um, but of course, I'm not in charge of the ISU and the rules for skating. Um, so I would say for athletes, being really careful going into something like quads and even triple axles, um, of course, you can get injured on triples too. But those are a little bit more in terms of like, really overdoing it or landing wrong or incorrect technique. I would say for triple, triple axles and quads, that is a lot of pressure on your foot and on your, a lot of stress on your body when you land because four times in the air is four times your weight when you land on your foot. And so if you're landing cheated, which everybody is going to land cheated for at least six months to like a year of learning a new jump, that's really scary. So reps are really important. Not doing like 10 or 20 per session, I would probably limit it to like eight or even six, which again, that's way too slow if we're looking at progress of how fast you're going to get a quad. Again, I don't teach quads, so I can't really, I, that's how I would do triples, but um, it just, I think the reps are really, really important. And I think for coaches not to push their kids too fast with those big elements um, and instead securing all the triples and like all the triple, triple combinations, there should be no question that you can nail a triple triple before you're trying to like add a quad sow cow into your program that like that's my opinion um but i don't think that's the way that skating's going right now um and that's why so many kids are just out before their careers even start in the senior level yeah so it's yeah it's rough it, it's quite unfortunate know. to see mm -hmm. yeah i think education and plan it cannot be stressed enough you know yeah. education and plan is you know, obviously we've seen that it is possible to do difficult elements and remain injury free. Now, it probably takes a while. It takes a while of progression. And like you said, like it's a, like you shouldn't be trying quads before you can confidently and calmly do a triple triple. Mm -hmm. So that takes a while too. So yeah. really, I think what's uh, going on is just the timeline for our progression has gotten so short. Yeah. And so just like ambition driven that it has led uh, many skaters into injury and kind of down this road of injury. And it's so important to find your way out of it. And it's not, it's not just you. Like, I don't think it's ever the athlete's fault that they got injured. No. Like mm -hmm. they should be punished for being injured. No, it's, yeah. just, it's the name of the game. It's the, mm -hmm. it's the sport. And it's not just our sport. It's all sports. So I think yeah. education and plan like cannot be stressed enough. Those sound like two key ingredients to uh, success long-term. So it's great that <laughs> yeah. you uh, have that head on your shoulders, Andrew. Last question for you, just in terms of your goals for the next four years, um, you know, you're, you're skating again, you're going to take your time and come back healthy, injury-free, um, and hopefully we'll stay that way for the next four years, crossing my fingers for you, sending you good juju. Um, but for everyone listening, what can they expect or hope to see from you um, that you're hoping for yourself in the next four years? 
Yeah, in the past, I think I've been very ambitious about the goals that I want to achieve. And so now I think uh, now the only goal I want to achieve is just leaving my mark on the sport. I just want to be remembered once I finish. So I'm going to do everything in my power to, you know, have a successful rest of my career. And I hope that it can be enough to, you know, have people remember my name after I retire and have people remember what I was doing on the ice once I retire. So Mm -hmm. that ideally is the ultimate goal for me. And, you know, it's just work and persistence. And something you're absolutely capable of. Um, So wishing you the best uh, with your continued recovery and uh, getting back into competitive skating. And obviously for the next four years, you have so much potential. So believe in yourself. Um, I know a lot of people listening as well as people who have just been following your career for years now um, are really excited to see you back on the ice. Uh, So let's go, Andrew. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Yeah, let's go. Thank you so much, Polina. I super appreciate you giving me the opportunity to talk about something so important like this. Of course, anytime. (laughs) Well, I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. Please leave me a comment, leave me a review. I love hearing what you guys have to say. Follow me on my Instagram. That's where I'm promoting this. My username is at Paulina Edmonds. And stay tuned for my future podcast episodes I release every Tuesday. And I can't wait to talk to you guys next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.